0: Jesus said, very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, i am the gate for the sheep all who come before me are thieves and bandits but the sheep did not listen to them i am the gate whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly the gospel of the lord praise Praise to you O christ I invite you to be seated. It's a rather idyllic picture, Jesus and the sheep, he being the shepherd. I remember when I was really little, about five years old, being in a Sunday school class, and I had a lot of Sunday school classes. I don't know why I remembered this one. It must have been just especially comforting to me. But I remember I had a sheet of paper in front of me and on it there was a picture of a sheep and standing next to the sheep was Jesus, the kindly shepherd holding his shepherd's staff. And we were instructed to color the page and then glue these little white cotton balls all over the sheep. Did anybody else do that maybe in childhood? Yes, and when we were done, if we did it well, our cotton balls would be on the sheep and the sheep would be this wonderful fluffy soft white pure white mass of wool right and the teacher the entire time we were doing this was talking about how Jesus takes care of us protects us loves us knows us and it was all just wonderful the part about Jesus is true the part about the sheep being cute and fluffy is not They bear no resemblance whatsoever to white cotton balls. In fact, their wool is matted with all sorts of filth, their own poo and mud and seeds and and thorns and stickers and briars of every kind, every single thing they pass through in life clings to them and just becomes part of one giant smelly mat. Shepherds today, I have found out, actually bathe their sheep with woolite. (laughs) What works for wool sweaters works for the sheep. So before she she sheared them, they bathed them in woolite. In Jesus' day, they didn't have woolite, so I guess they just ran them through the nearby creek and hoped that some of that stuff would fall off. What is definitely true is that the sheep need their shepherd. Without their shepherd. Sheep perish, they have very short lifespans when left to their own devices. Some people have said they seem almost suicidal. One shepherd, Ed Wenton, a West Texas shepherd says, and I quote, sheep are just born looking for a way to die. <laughs> they have a knack for putting themselves in peril. If there's any peril to be had anywhere, they will seek it out and thrust themselves into it, deadly situations, most of which could have been avoided by simply turning around. (laughs) They have extremely poor depth perception, so their sight's not really great. They absolutely will walk off the face of a cliff if they're heading in that direction and the cliff happens to be in front of them. They have such bad depth perception, they cannot notice a gate if it is slightly ajar. So if you have a fence row and the gates open a little bit, the sheep will walk right past the gate. They will even run and hurl themselves right into the barbed wire. If you have the gate all the way open, then there is a chance that they will see it and go through the gate into the pasture, but I wouldn't count on it. Sheep do follow their shepherds some of the time, not all of the time. Jesus kind of exaggerates. Mostly they follow other sheep. If you want your flock to go somewhere, you lead the first sheep where you want the rest to go, and the others will follow that one. I am the gate, Jesus said. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and they will come in and go out and find pasture. As Jesus talked about the sheep going In and out of the gate, refusing to follow any voice except for the shepherd's voice, I kind of figure maybe the first century audience giggled if they didn't outright guffaw because they knew sheep. (laughs) Each evening, the local shepherds would put all their flocks in in a nearby communal sheepfold and uh, leave them there. Either one shepherd, if he was by himself, would lay down across the opening. So the sheepfold's made of stone, a stone fence. We got those all over Kansas, right? And then on top of the stones, they put some thorny briars. You've seen people in Africa do that, to keep the mountain lions and stuff out away from the sheep. And there's only one entrance to this big rock pen, and that's it, it, one center gateway thing. And shepherd or the gatekeeper, If there were a lot of shepherds, they might, you know, take turns. And so the gatekeeper would lay down across the opening and the sheep would have to walk literally across them and so would a thief or a bandit to get to the sheep. Except thieves and bandits can crawl in over the wall on the backside, snatch a sheep and make off with it. The gatekeepers knew the local shepherds. And in the morning, the shepherds would come to fetch their flocks. And the gatekeeper, of course, wasn't going to give up a flock, somebody they didn't recognize as a shepherd. Now, it's true that in Palestine and Israel, shepherds do call their sheep by name and their flocks will follow them for the most part. It takes shepherds a while to get to know their sheep by name. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to get to know the sheep and be with them a lot before you can recognize one sheep from all the others. And it takes the sheep a little while to learn the shepherd's voice too. That's not instantaneous like at birth. So the less experienced sheep will follow the stranger who may be up to no good. And the more time the sheep spend with the shepherd, the easier it is for them to understand and remember her distinct voice. So the older sheep, who blend in the flock for a while, they know the shepherd's voice. And the younger sheep follow the older ones we can do the same thing when we're not so sure about what voices we're following look at the people who've been following the shepherd for a really long time and they can help discern and guide you now the gatekeeper knows the shepherds so the thieves and the bandits climb in over the wall snatch the sheep and run off with it and then there are the hired hands Jesus said oh yeah they're not so hot You know the hired hands don't have an investment in the flock so i don't know they decide they want a lunch break they might wander off just leave the sheep there or if a sheep's in great peril and the shepherd would have to risk his own life in some way where you can't trust the, the hired hands they'll just abandon the whole entire flock it's hard to find good help the point is that jesus is the good shepherd now The Israelites have always referred to their leaders as shepherds. Kings were shepherds. They were either good shepherds or bad shepherds, mostly bad. They're longing for this good shepherd, this good leader of the people who will put the people's needs first, who will be righteous and caring and present and will will not run from trouble, but will be there to protect the people Good shepherds care for their sheep and they even lay down their lives for them, Jesus says. Jesus takes the time to get to know each and every one of us. That's a wonderful thing. By name, he says. Mike Bowman says we're dirty sheep and our very being tangles to all sorts of undesirable things. I think that's true, at least in my own life, But dirty sheep are still incredibly valuable to the shepherd. So are we to God. Like sheep, we involve ourselves in all sorts of things that are self-destructive, all sorts of self-destructive behaviors that we cannot escape from on our own. But Jesus will never abandon us. He will always stay with us, guiding us into that abundant life. Jesus cares enough, is invested enough in our well-being that he will even lay down his life to protect ours. Now, a few years ago, Ed and I were driving a country lane in Wales, and um, the road wasn't much wider than the center aisle. It it would bear one and a half cars width, so if anybody came, you're going to have to back up for a while. And we were driving, it was in the morning, and there was a lot of fog. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the fog, it kind of parts and there's an entire flock of sheep in the roadway ahead of us. And off to this side of the road is an old gnarled shepherd standing there uh, watching over his flock. He's holding open the gate and the sheep are crossing out of his front yard and going 100 feet uh, up the road and then into a pasture through an open gate. And they were being led by a trusty sheepdog who made sure that the first sheep made it into the gate and then all the other sheep followed. And their lush meadow into which they passed was definitely the abundant life. The greenest, most tender grass you've ever seen in your life. And the elderly shepherd who lived in a tiny, little one-story stone house with a very muddy yard surrounded by a little stone fence was living the abundant life too. I'll never forget the look of absolute love and contentment and satisfaction on that man's face as he looked over his little flock perfect joy, reverence, peace. I came, Jesus said, that they may have life, that you may have life, and have it abundantly. In contrast to all the world would rob us of, our life and limb, the thieves and the bandits, Jesus mentions, Jesus comes to give not just life but life in abundance not just survival but flourishing not just getting by but thriving not just existence but joy